We are back for yet another episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com, and I am your host, as always, Jeremy Brand, the man with the plan. Um, this week we have a fantastic show for you. As always, we have Justin Perot's unpopular opinions. This one could garner some serious attention from uh, you fans out there because he, he gets a little offside if you might um so listen to that but first up we have um an interview with ufc 177 now co-main event fighter danny castillo this guy's taking on tony ferguson in the co-main event it was originally planned for 176 then moved to 177 and with all the shufflings of this fight card it is now the co-main event so um going to talk to him about that, what it means to uh, be in the co-main event, fighting on the same card as his training partner, TJ Dillashaw, um, and much more. So we'll get to that right after we talk some fights. Uh, this past weekend, we had UFC Fight Night 47, Bader versus St. Prue. It was a decent fight card. The undercard, which we thought should take the place of the uh, three first Fox Sports 1 cards, or fights, didn't live up to expectations. Uh, We thought the Tom Watson versus Sam Alvey fight was going to be amazing. It was alright. It ended up being a decision win for Tom Watson. We thought the Sarah McMahon-Lauren Murphy fight was going to be huge and epic in the women's uh, division. It was alright. Sarah McMahon ended up winning a split decision. We thought the Juicier, Formiga, and Zach Makovsky fight could have been the co-main event on this fight card. But again, it was alright. Ended up being a decision. So a decision-filled undercard led to a six-fight main card that was full of finishes other than the main event. Tiago Tavares had his first win in the featherweight division, dropping down to 145 pounds. This kid dominated Robbie Peralta. Landing a submission, rear naked choke victory, just with just under 30 seconds left in the very first round. Heavyweight Sean Jordan and Jack May squared off. Huge fight. Jack May looked decent in the first round, and Sean Jordan wanted nothing more to do with his attack and poured it on for the next two rounds, earning him the TKO finish two minutes and three seconds into the third round. Alan Joban, who was making his UFC debut against Seth Basinski, um, welterweight matchup. Basinski sort of, you know, he was dictating the pace of this fight um, for the early part of the very first round. These two ended up just swinging back and forth, and Joban ended up landing the big knockout punch four minutes, 23 seconds into the first round. It was giant, big victory for this welterweight. But the one thing I have to add to this is that Joban... If he swings like that and and gets that reckless with any other welterweight, uh, he's not going to be lasting too long in in the UFC. He's got to sort of tighten things up. He looked great in the RFA. Uh, He's got to look that same way in the UFC. Middleweight matchup between Tim Bosch and Brad Tavares. Tavares was en route to uh, dominating this fight. He looked great against Bosch. 
But again, another one of these come-behind victories for Tim Bosch, just like his bout against Yushin Okami. He TKOs Brad Tavares in the second round. Wow, wow, wow. Congratulations to Tim Bosch. Co-main event, it went as planned. It lasted a little longer than expected. Ross Pearson did TKO Gray Maynard in the second round. Uh, many people thought that Pearson was going to land on Maynard. It was going to be done from the get-go right from the very first round, but Maynard actually had a good first round. He hit Pearson, I think, with more shots. He was able to sort of dictate the pace, and uh, but it was Pearson landing his hard power punch in the second round. Now the main event, Ryan Bader moved one inch closer to that light heavyweight title. Obviously not his next bout, but he's inched himself up the ladder in the light heavyweight division. 205 pounds is stacked right now. Ovent St. Prue takes a step down. He was able to uh, earn himself a unanimous decision victory, 48-47, 49-46, and 49-46 on the judges' scorecards. He used his wrestling nine takedowns in uh, the five-round fight, which is amazing. So congratulations to Bader. It sounds like... Uh, no one really knows what's going to happen with him next, but I personally think he should fight Anthony Johnson. I don't like this whole Anthony Johnson, uh, Alexander Gustafson talk because that throws two number one contender sort of fighters out of the mix. And I mean, if you give Alexander Gustafson and Anthony Johnson to each other and Johnson knocks out Gustafson. Well, that puts him back down the lower of the totem pole, and, and he's going to have to earn his step back. Whereas if you put Bader against uh, Johnson, who knows? Johnson could knock him out. Bader could use his wrestling, take him down, and and earn the decision and move his way up the ladder. And then we see Bader Gustafson or something like that. But I don't see the point of facing off two guys are, that are that close to title contention against each other at this point in the game because then you're killing one of them off. That's enough about Fight Night 47. We are in fight week, and this is a huge fight week. We have two fight cards on two UFC fight cards on Saturday. We have Titan FC 29 on Friday. Let's first talk about UFC Fight Night Macau, which is Bisping versus Lee. Um, a lot of Canadians on this uh, fight card. We have Roland Delorme on the undercard. Um, well, I guess that's about it. But uh, yeah, very excited to see him step back inside the octagon. The main event, obviously, Michael Bisping versus Kun Lee. These two are undergoing some serious uh, drug testing prior to um, their main event five-round bout. I'm very excited to see how this one goes. Michael Bisping knows that he has to perform in order to uh, move back up the rankings. He's got to perform to... He's obviously going to stay with the UFC, win or lose, but this guy's got to perform to show the fans that he deserves to be where he's at. In the co-main event, Dong Hyun Kim, stun gun, taking on Tyron Woodley. Woodley... Uh, in his last bout, looked very, very hesitant and, and didn't do much against Rory McDonald in Vancouver at UFC 174. So he's looking to step his game up against Stun Gun, who is on a tear. Um, looking forward to this matchup. It should be fun. It should have a knockout, I'm hoping. Not too much more to talk about on this fight card. 
But in the evening on Saturday, it's UFC Fight Night 49, Henderson versus Dos Anjos, which is Benson Henderson versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Um, this one has a six-fight main card with some serious talent on it. Uh, even the undercard has some huge talent on it. It's absolutely stacked. We got Ben Saunders, who we spoke to a few weeks back about his Titan FC 29 main event fight. That didn't happen. He's now fighting on this UFC Fight Night um, 49 card, which is huge. So he's taking on Chris Heatherly. Should be a fun fight in the welterweight division. Also on Fox Sports 2, Bantamweights Aaron Phillips and Matt Hober are fighting. Lightweight Benil Dariush, who looks to uh, continue to prove that he's a force to be reckoned with against Tony Martin. That's a big fight. And welterweight contest, Neil Magny versus Alex Garcia. Garcia was expected to take on Colonna's Matt Dwyer in his UFC debut, but Dwyer, uh, forced to pull out due to injury, will now take on Neil Magny. This should be a huge match for both these fighters. The main card, as I said, six fights, starting off with featherweights Chask Skelly and Tom Ninamaki. Uh, a very fun featherweight matchup. Lightweights James Vicks, James Vick and Vlamir Lazero face off uh, next. Another featherweight matchup, Max Holloway versus Clay Collard in uh, a featured featherweight matchup. And then we have middleweights, Francis Carmont versus Talis Latis. This one could be fun or it could be very boring. The co-main event I'm very interested in because we know Mike Pyle has knockout skills. He's got great jiu-jitsu. His wrestling is good. But he's taking on Canadian Jordan Meehan, who also has knockout power. And his wrestling is good. So this one could be a back-and-forth tussle. We know these two are going to stand and trade. Meehan has some nasty elbows in the clinch, which I hope he shows off. Um, I'm not going to pick a winner for this one because I think this one's a fan's fight. Five rounds in the main event between Benson Henderson, as I said, and Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, Benson Henderson looking to get back his uh, UFC lightweight title. Whether he has to fight Gilbert Melendez next or whether he has to fight Anthony Pettis, he wants his title back and Rafael Dos Anjos is standing in his way. So that is Saturday night. Also in Vancouver, British Columbia, we have Battlefield Fight League um, 32 which features Jeremy Kennedy and Andre Da Silva pro matchup in the main event, which should be fun. Check it out if you're in Vancouver. If you're in the lower mainland, check it out. Um, it's at the River Rock Casino Resort in Richmond, BC. So tickets are still available at bfltix.com. As I said also, Titan FC 29 is on Friday night from the Crown Coliseum in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It's got Mike Ricci versus George Sauteropoulos, two ex-UFC fighters in the main event. Um, the co-main event is a featherweight title eliminator between Kurt Hollibaugh and Lloyd Woodard. These two always bring it, so it's going to be a great matchup. It's a five-fight main card with uh, the undercard televised on cbssportsnetwork.com. I will get to the news after my interview with Danny Lascal Castillo. I went over the fight cards. I will get to some breaking news as well as um, the rest of the news that came up this past week. So with that, let's get right into my first guest. 
He is part of the world-renowned Team Alpha Male Gym and will be taking on Tony Ferguson in the co-main event at UFC 177. Please welcome Danny Last Call Castillo to the show. Danny, thanks for joining me today, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, before we get into you know this fight and your current UFC battles and stuff, let's take it back a little bit. You've spoken to a ton of media recently about your upcoming fight, I'm sure. But let's take the time machine backwards and talk about your first experience in MMA. You've been in the sport since 2007, professionally. What made you get into the sport of punching people in the face? Uriah Faber. <laughs> um, Uriah and I were um, were buddies uh, uh, for years. So I think we we're like 14, 13 years old. He was uh, from a different part of town. And uh, we would always see each other at um, freestyle tournaments wrestling. Freestyle was like the off season, and um, you know uh, they had all star teams they put together for the area, which was called Sawa Sacramento Area Wrestling Association. Um, so every year we ended up on the same all star team, and we would travel up and down California wrestling other um, all star teams in California. And uh, we just remained friends. Uh, we high school, you know, he went to a certain high, different high school, and then after college. I went to junior college. We went up to Davis. We we uh, were camp counselors at a wrestling camp up in uh, up in Tahoe, two hours away every summer, and just really uh, we're we're good friends. And um, you know, after college, we kind of lost touch for you know several years, and uh, we reconnected on MySpace of all things, and uh, you know, still talking trash. You know, just doing the jock thing. You know, making fun of each other and. He's like, yeah, you got to come and visit. Uh, it was around the time that he beat, uh, and I can't remember who it was, but I think it was a set. He de- he defended his WC title his second time. I went to Sacramento. I saw they had a, a beautiful gym. He had two houses at the time, um, maybe three. I can't remember. It's been a while. And he told me, uh, he's like, yeah, man, what are you doing wasting your time sitting at a, at a, at a desk job? Because I was working a desk job after college. He's like, you should really take this fighting thing. Uh, you know, you should maybe try it out. It takes a certain type of person to do it, and I, I think you got it. And uh, back then, it was just like, yeah, right, man. I got, uh, <laughs> I got uh, medical, dental, four hundred one k, like everything's good. There's no way I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that to, to get in the cage and and, and get punched in the face. But uh, I started to think about it, and I, I miss competition, competing a lot. And, you know, my mom gave me her blessing, and uh, I quit my job, moved back home, and, um, I mean, we're here now. I haven't lived back since. No kidding. That's amazing. Were there um, – so did you did you train at all while you were sitting at the desk job there? Like, were you wrestling still, or – No, not at all. It was uh, – I. Okay, it was uh, it was a four year layoff uh, where I didn't do anything. Um, you know, I was lifting weights, but uh, um, every once in a while I would jump in the college room and, and and wrestle a little bit. But I wasn't competing. I wasn't boxing. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. That's awesome. Well, after going on a five fight winning streak, you were signed to the now defunct WEC promotion. What's your fondest memory about fighting for what was then considered the little guys UFC? Um. I think my last fight in the WEC, it was um, it was pretty much you win the fight and you punch your ticket to get in the UFC. Um, it just happened to be the last WEC, um, and I had um, I believe it was the first round knockout, 
And, um, you know, I got my WEC, uh, I got my UFC contract after that fight. So, you know, my back was against the wall. There was a lot of pressure on me. And, um, you know, I was able to perform with a knockout. And it being the last card, you know, that, that's history. And, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was great. All right. You're now 7-3 and three under the UFC banner. And, and not to be rude at all, but still have yet to really make a name for yourself in the promotion. Would you agree? Yeah, um, you know that I, I believe that's just uh, um, the the division that I'm in. You know, I, I think the lightweight division is um, yeah, uh, on on paper. I, I believe it's got double, if not triple, the amount of fighters that any other weight class has. Um, the talent pool. I mean, it's a Shark Tank full of full of talented fighters. Um, and you know, any other weight class, if I were to win three in a row, I think, um, you know, people would be talking about me. I'd be on the main cards and stuff like that. But, I mean, just because of the lightweight division, man, there's so many tough guys. I, I feel like anyone in the, in the division can beat anyone in the top ten um, on any given day. It's, uh, it's, it, it's a really, really tough division. You're coming off a giant knockout victory in your last bout against Charlie Brenneman. We've seen your TKOs and knockouts in your previous fights outside the UFC, but this was the first one inside the octagon. Do you do you feel people underestimate your punching power? Oh, um, uh, I don't know if they underestimate it, but um, I haven't really been able to showcase it. And because of uh, Dwayne Ludwig and um, you know the, just the advancement made uh, in his system and, and the Bang Muay Thai system, um, uh, it's a uh, you know, it's starting to be, it's starting to uh, show a lot. Uh, you know, the Edson Barbosa fight, I was able to drop him, but the power's always been there. Um, you know, I, I have a big knockout win over Ricardo Lamas, and that was years ago, so um, the power was there. You know, my last two fights, my last two losses, uh, you know, there were losses, but, um, you know, you look, go back and watch the first round. And both those first rounds could be 10-8 on anyone's scorecard. I dropped Michael Johnson the first round, was close to finishing him. You know, a lot of refs would have finished that, would have stopped that fight. Same thing with Edson Barbosa. But, um, you know, it's all, it's, it's all part of the story, and it's what makes this me being co-main event uh, so sweet because, you know, I've been so close and I've been overlooked for a long time. But now, uh, you know, I got the opportunity to show everyone, um, you know, uh, on the main card on a pay-per-view event. Couple questions off of what you just said. You spoke about Dwayne Ludwig there. Um, how has that been for this camp? You're having to spread yourself a little bit with him not being within Team Alpha Male anymore. I'm not spreading myself. He's um, he's in the gym uh, Monday. I worked out with him today. I work out with him Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He flies back home on Friday to be with his family and. He's working on opening his academy. So, you know, the, the media has it seemed like there's just big beef and, you know, there's there's drama. But if you came into the, lock, and you came into the gym, there you couldn't tell that there was a problem or it at all. There's not really a problem. He stuck around for Chad Mendes' title fight. That card got canceled. Um, and then TJ's card got announced. He stuck around for that. So I've been working with him this whole time. And, in fact, I get to, uh, a ton of one-on-one time with him. So, the the cancellation of 176 was uh, was a, a, a true blessing for me because you know I get to fight in my hometown. Then um, you know Jones John Jones got hurt and now I'm the main event. Um, with the cancellation of the card, I got six extra weeks to work with Bang. So um, you know um, 
uh, we're we'll, we'll just going to have to see August 30th is, is how good and, and how much I've improved uh, working with Dwayne. No kidding. Now, it, when he does open up his new academy, it will be in Colorado, correct? Correct. Will you be flying there for your fight camps, or will you continue to have him fly out to you? Um, it just depends on uh, where my money's at in that point in <laughs> time. You know, uh, you know, uh, a bonus win, a bonus for me in this fight. You know, I'll definitely have money to fly him out, um, and definitely if if we have another fighter, another teammate on the card, we could split the cost. Um, but I'm not against going to Colorado. I think it'd be kind of cool to 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 get away and and. And you know, once you're away from your 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 outside settings, uh, you know, you kind of get a little bit more focused. Um, Colorado's got the, you know, it's it's, it's ele- the elevation is really high in Colorado, so it'd probably be good for me. Now, this upcoming fight against Tony Ferguson, you said, was expected to be on UFC 176, then moved to 177. Now, the co-main event of the whole card. Um, does the fact that it's so high up the fight card put any more pressure on you? No, there's already enough pressure. Anytime you put thousands of dollars at stake, there's a lot of pressure. So it's like uh, if you're going to work and only get half your money, there's a little bit of pressure to perform. Um, but man, this is my this is my 19th fight with Zufa. I've already got enough pressure throughout the years. Not, uh, you know, I'm just going to go out there. It's just like another day of sparring in the gym. Just going to go out there and perform. Um, you know, my punches might be coming out a little bit faster and 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 harder just because I'm in my hometown, but. Um, you know, last time I was in my hometown, I had a fight of the night with Barbosa. So uh, I'm looking to uh, I'm looking to put a storybook finish to this because it's it's been it's been amazing how it's all played out. No the cancellation kid. of 176, me being put up to main uh, co-main event, TJ being the, the headliner, Bang Stan, uh, just a, a ton of uh, cool things that have been happening. So um, you know, I, I need. And not to mention, I need a dominant victory to make a name for myself. And that cool fight poster that was put out there with you guys in the Sacramento Kings jerseys. That also. <laughs> Be, I, something that you spoke on there was that sparring in the gym. I've, I've The main event is around 9 p.m.-ish, just a little after, I guess. That would mean the co-main event between 8.30 and 9. I've spoken to others in the past that said they liked fighting earlier in the evening because that was when they ended up sparring and training during fight camp. Do you ever think about that? Does that ever come into play for you? No. Um, you know, if, if I was uh, if I was out on the street and something happened at 9 o'clock and I had to defend myself, it's the same thing. It's not a big deal. Uh, you know, I'm focused. Um, I'm a trained professional. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter what time, what place, anywhere I'm at, I'm going to perform. Fair enough. Okay, Tony Ferguson was crowned as the ultimate fighter, then got injured there for a bit. He's now on a two-fight winning streak with two first-round finishes. Are you a guy that watches tape, or you let your coaches watch his, watch his tape? Um, and do you see many holes in his game? Yeah, I mean, I watched, I watched uh, both those fights, and, um, you know, my two last fights compared to the, the caliber of his two last fights, you know, it's... It, it's not even on the same level. I fought some of the best guys in the world. Um, even in the WEC, we had Benson Henderson, Cowboy Cerrone, Anthony Pettis, Ricardo Lamas, Dustin Poirier. They were all lightweights. I fought, I've been fighting the best since I came into the sport. Eight months of training, and I was fighting the best guys in the world. I mean, I never threw a punch under, like, any boxing coach or anything. Like, I'm, 
I'm a, I'm, I'm a competitor. I'm, uh, I'm here to compete. It's what I've been doing my whole entire life. Like I'm ready. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, I fought better strikers than him. Um, you know, I, I feel like Tim Means is a better striker than him. I feel like Anthony Antoine is a better striker than him. I can go down the list. I feel like uh, Edson Barbosa is a better striker than him. His jiu-jitsu, he's a purple belt under uh, a 10th planet. There's no way his guard is better than Paul Sass. Yeah. Um, you know, after my after my fight with uh, Charlie Brenneman, I flew to Brazil seven days later and competed in Copa Pedio, and, uh, and the, the submission match was, uh, the grappling match was, uh, no time, no points, submission only, and I was able to submit a black belt in eight minutes. So, um, you know, I'm not taking anything away from him. The, the, the one thing I do see from him is he's very durable. He's tough and he has a lot of heart. Um, you know, so that, that's what I'm preparing for. Skill set-wise, I, I feel like I'm the better fighter everywhere. Impressive. Now, you mentioned that all this was a blessing in disguise. Obviously, your training partner, TJ Dillashaw, will be fighting right after you. Will you be able to get through all of your medicals and whatnot to be able to watch him and Hennenborough square off? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I was excited for the first fight. I think it's a dumb fight for Burrell. Um, you know, after that fight, he got, uh, I'm sure he got concussed a couple times. He was dropped, um, you know, when he was finished in the fifth round. Uh, it looked like some devastating blows. So, you know, how long did he have to heal? How long did he have to prepare? Um, you know, I think TJ's going to pick up right where he left off. And, um, you know, it might even be a, a faster finish than the, than the five rounds that he did it before. Wow. Moving away from this fight, I was and, and TJ's fight as well, moving away from sort of the fight scene altogether, I was perusing the interweb to do uh, a little bit of research on you before this interview and noticed that you're a partner at a place called P20 Hot Pilates and Fitness. Just sort of tell our listeners a bit about that endeavor. Uh, it's it's uh, P2O. Um, it's a hot Pilates studio. Uh, we're the first and only hot Pilates studio in Sacramento. Uh, we were just voted number one studio in Sacramento, and it's uh, it, it, it's amazing, man. What I was able to com- to create in 15 months, it's uh, it's just great. Uh, people are getting better, and uh, right now my passion is fighting. My passion is competing, but uh, I think I found a whole new passion after fighting, and that's uh, basically helping people find their fitness needs. So it's 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 really it's really amazing, and um, I'm really blessed to have. Um, the success I've had in such a short time. And at the end of the year, um, uh, I'm looking to open my second location. Wow. So do you utilize Pilates during your fight camp? Yeah, I, uh, I, I use Pilates during my fight camp. Uh, you know, there's a lot of small muscles around the, the, the major muscle groups that uh, you don't really hit doing deadlifts and squats. So it's, uh, you know, it's core based and, um, you know, your power comes from your core, a lot of grappling is uh, revolved around your core. Um, I teach a kettlebell class. I'm RKC certified in kettlebells, and uh, we have a, a variety of different classes, TRX. Um, you know, uh, we have a, some hot yoga classes as well. Um, it's just a really great uh, a really great fitness studio, and I'm, I'm proud of it. That's awesome. Now, finally, I ask all the fighters that are on the show one question from a list of questions to finish off the show, and I figured I'd ask you, being a fighter, you're expected to be a tough guy. What was one movie moment that made you cry? Uh, I think the last movie I cried in was Forrest Gump. <laughs> Good movie. 
Yeah, like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> he is Danny Castillo, and he will be featured in the co-main event at UFC 177 against Tony Ferguson on August 30th, live on pay-per-view. Danny, it's been a pleasure. Just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe and pump that P2O hot Pilates. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, my Instagram and Twitter accounts are the same. It's Last Call 155. I have a Facebook fan page, Danny Last Call Castillo, and then Sacramento Hot Pilates dot com is where you can find out more information about the studio. Uh, we're in Midtown Sacramento, and uh, we're coming to a city near you. Uh, you know, um, sooner than later, definitely. <laughs> and I just want to thank you for having me on the show. It's awesome. I really appreciate. Uh, you know, people who are just as passionate about the sport and are knowledgeable about the sport. So it's really comforting having an uh, interview with someone who knows what they're talking about. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks again, Danny. And definitely good luck on the 30th. I'll be watching and rooting you on for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you have my number, so give me a call afterwards and I'll come back on and uh, we'll talk about my victory. It sure does sound like a blessing in disguise for Danny Castillo. Getting to co-main event UFC 177 in Sacramento with his best friend and best buddy TJ Dillashaw in the main event for the um, title against uh, Henan Burrell. Can't be more stoked for this guy. So up next is Justin Perot's unpopular opinions here on Sucker Radio. Enjoy. Hey again, everybody. It's Justin Pirro here for MMASucka.com with more unpopular opinions here on Sucka Radio. Let's start with the latest big news. Eddie Alvarez has signed with the UFC and he's taking on Cowboy Cerrone. This is great. It's about time. And you know what? Good for Scott Coker doing the smart thing, letting Alvarez go. It really goes on to cement my opinion that Coker is the Paul Heyman of mixed martial arts. He may never run the top promotion. He may not make the best fiscal decisions. I can't confirm that. But I can say that he's smart enough to make the best with what he has. He's smart enough to try something different. And he's smart enough to know when to cut your losses and let a guy move on. And... Look at like look at all that Coker has done in the past. I mean, Strike Force, the heavyweight Grand Prix, that brought Daniel Corm that made Daniel Cormier a star. The Challenger series, which gave us people like Tyron Woodley, and uh, this most recent UFC Fight Nights headliner on the losing side, Ovin Saint Preux. He also brought about the women's 135 pound division on a large stage, and that gave us Ronda Rousey. So hey, go Scott Coker. And go Eddie Alvarez in the UFC. I am looking forward to all kinds of violence when he steps into the cage with Cerrone. Also, after all the negativity from last week, you know, and the week before with uh, Grisby and Copenhaver, you know what? I want to just take a moment to give a shout out to all the dads and all the men in MMA who are actually doing the right things. You know... Guys like Kendall Grove or Cody Bollinger or Dwayne Ludwig or, <laughs> or even, you know, Dwayne Finley, you know, in the media too. I mean, if you haven't been following what's going on, uh, Finley 
got his, set his uh, boy Savage up with Twitter, and it's been one of the greatest little MMA media things to happen in the last little while. And anyways, you know what? You guys rock. If you're being a good dad, if you're being a good husband, if you're being a straight-up gentleman, then way to go. You rock. And finally, I want to talk about Hector Lombard. First off, the guy put out a press release saying, I'm changing my nickname. Okay, I don't know how they do things in Cuba. I don't know how they do things in Australia. But where I come from, you don't get to pick your nickname. If it changes, it changes naturally. You can't go from, oh, I used to be lightning, now I'm show weather. Oh. I'm sorry, but when I hear that, it makes me think of a tag team between uh, Floyd Mayweather and the Big Show in the WWE. You know, that big seven-foot bald guy. But, oh man, just, it's not even that great of a nickname, Show Weather. Because if you have to explain it, it's, it's like a joke. If you have to explain it, it's usually not good. But here's hoping common sense will prevail. It's like when Brendan Schaub started calling himself Big Brown and you can say, oh, but he got that from the other guy on the podcast. You act as if you probably didn't already tell that guy to call him that. But no. If you pick your own nickname, people can tell. And generally it's because while you think it's cool, it's not. So... Sorry, Hector Lombard. I know you can kick my ass. And I, if it comes to that, it comes to that. But bad form on this one. All right, you can follow me on social media at Stormland Brand on Twitter and on Facebook. Look for Stormland Band. And don't forget to follow MMA Sucker on Facebook and on Twitter at MMA Sucker and Sucker Radio at Sucker Radio on Twitter. All right, back to Jeremy. Thanks to Justin for that. Uh, it was definitely a doozy. News of the week. I had some breaking news to drop with you guys. <clears throat> Invicta FC. I've got this news right here. That... Amanda Bell and Cassie Cristiano have signed with Invicta FC. Huge news. Uh, Amanda just beat Marina Shafir a couple weeks ago. Marina is uh, Ronda Rousey's training partner, so that is huge. Also, Cassie has, you know, she's a giant star in the women's division, so huge on them for signing to Invicta Fighting Championships. Other news of the week, we were supposed to have... Um, a few guys here stand in front of the Las Vegas or the Nevada Athletic Commission. Vanderlei Silva was supposed to. Um, Kevin Casey, as well as Robert Drysdale. However, Vanderlei postponed his disciplinary hearing, which in turn postponed the other two. So we didn't have that. Um, Bellator signing women. We spoke about that last week. This week, they signed another, Talita Noguera. She is undefeated 
Huge, huge signing for um, Bellator in the women's division. 1FC has signed some talent. They signed UFC vet Hodger Gracie, as well as seven new roster additions to their um, roster. One fight that has me extremely interested, that is being discussed, as they say, for a future UFC event, Luke Rockhold versus Leota Machida. How does that not make sense? This is going to be a stand-up war. Two strikers that are looking to knock each other out in a flash. It should be fun. It should be a great fight. Um, I don't think there's anything else that I need to talk about. I don't care to talk about War Machine anymore. I don't care to talk about any of this other stuff. So I'd like to thank my guest, Danny Last Call Castillo, for joining the show. Um, thank you to Justin Perot for his unpopular opinions. And uh, thank you to you guys for listening. Catch Sucker Radio each and every week on MMASucker.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Follow MMASucker on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash MMASucker. Follow us on Twitter at MMASucker. You can follow myself at JeremyBrand604 on Twitter. With that, I'm out. I have never heard a crowd like this before. Oh, man, this is madness. This is madness. Oh! Bisping connects. Oh! He got rocked. Michael Bisping! He fights like he has no respect for his opponents. Conley! Oh, my goodness. Tyron Woodley just made a statement. What a fight! Oh, John Kemp! This is crazy!